advanced time. Hello and welcome. It's a podcast. It's about video games. I am a person on this podcast, and my name is Paul Bills, and there are two other people. There are two other people, and one of them is Ryan Speakman. Ryan Speakman, here, present. <laughs> and another one of them is Curtis Lowe. Uh, Ryan Speakman, here, present. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, we practiced this five times before we started recording. <laughs> and I still think I'm doing it right. You're doing it. You're doing it. Uh, yes, hello, welcome everyone. If you haven't listened to this podcast before, um, it's a podcast about video games. Likely, you have listened to this podcast before, and we thank you for coming back. Today, we're going to be talking about lots of things, but I, I guess we could just go straight into everybody's favorite segment, Mike Struckerberg's One Thing First First, the one thing first. Why did not dilly dally? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, straight I didn't, to the point. I didn't, I didn't have going. anything immediately come to mind. <laughs> uh, does anyone really want to jump in with their one thing? I would love to. All right. I, would love I, to also, I have a pretty thing. big one today. I think I should go last. Yeah, I, I was going to say you definitely <laughs> need to go last. Based on the fiasco that I heard about recently. Also, before we even start, I just want to give a shout out to past guest Nick Hargraves, who I saw yesterday, and he was in a uh, office chair at one point while I was talking, and he said, "Hey Ryan, who am I?" And then he span around in the chair and said, "So this is how I spin in the chair." What a great chance wow. to reference to hear in real life. Wow. Paul's son quoted. He's going <laughs> viral. He'll be so excited. <laughs> that, was, uh, that really, really made me happy <laughs> hearing that story. Uh, well, I'll let him know. And it will only encourage him more. And he'll only do more ridiculous things in the name of YouTube that doesn't even really exist. <laughs> All right, so I've got I've got two things I just got to say like a couple sentences about, and then I'll get into the real one thing. The classic cheating your one thing where you get three things. Yes. So the oldest uh, one thing tradition <laughs> of the ball. <laughs> so uh, last week I got some flack from the Chance Time co-hosts or hosts. We're all hosts, I think, uh, <laughs> about a free-to-play game that I was going to try. Deepest Sword. Um, and I was warned that this might be a little too innuendo heavy. And in some ways it was. In other ways, it wasn't, I guess. I don't know. But I did play through the whole thing. And I did have a good time. I, I beat the whole thing in uh, 48 minutes. Um, oh, and it is out. basically just... Getting over it with Bennett Foddy, except it's got a theme and you've got a big sword. And you, if you beat the level, you get a longer sword and that makes things a little more difficult. And then the level gets longer and then you stab the sword into a dragon. And I believe there's an achievement to beat 
Yeah, I'm looking at it now. There's an achievement to beat the game in three minutes and 30 seconds. What? I don't think I'll be getting that one. There's a lot of speedrun achievements that I don't think I'll be getting. But it was free, and it was kind of like a good... I've got an hour. I'll check this game out. And there were innuendos, so be warned. (laughs) Um... And then this is a surprising one. I know I'm going to surprise you guys. But every time I say that, it's not true. But uh, my cousin, Adam, got me a game for my birthday a bit ago. And I had some time and I decided to start it. And it's been an interesting experience. I haven't played too much, though, so I feel like I can't say too much about it. But I started The Outer Wilds. Hmm. Hit well, yeah. uh, hit indie game from this year, no, last it's year. Been a while. The yeah. Outer Wilds. That's been like two or three years, at least. It Fuck seems recent. You mean Outer Wilds, not Outer Worlds, right? That is correct. Uh, I'm looking it up. Oh yeah, 2020. A few years, yeah. I feel like I only heard about it recently, but maybe it's because everyone mixed this up with no. Outer Worlds. Oh, Outer Wilds. I my Google says is a 2019 action adventure game. Maybe it came out to Steam late. Oh, Steam was yeah. It was a uh, Epic Games exclusive. Ah, uh, one of those. Yeah. Got it. That's well, why I have it on Epic Games. Fair. Sad. I uh, started it, and I'm curious to know what happens next. But the real one thing that I'll spend more than a few sentences talking about, but probably not even that much. (laughs) I started playing Dorf Romantic. Oh, nice. I... I had never heard about it until that one was the PlayStation. No, it was a Switch thing. What what did they announce it on? Yeah, they announced it for the they Switch. They announced it on Switch, yeah. And when I saw it, I was like, that looks fun. And it looks exactly like what I would like to be playing right now. And it is. Uh, for those who don't know, it's kind of like a... Tile-based puzzle game where you're given tiles with pieces of a world you're building out. And so, like, one tile will have a river on it. Another tile could have some trees. Another tile could have some houses and some grains on it. And you get points by matching tiles together. So if you put some house tiles next to some other house tiles you get some points. And you have a limited amount of tiles, um, but every once in a while you'll get a tile with a number on it, and it will say, like, it'll have some houses on it or some trees, and it will say, like, say it's got some trees and it says 50 on it. If you can connect 50 trees to that tile, you'll get more tiles. And so the goal is to try to extend your playtime by completing these little challenges. But as the map gets bigger and bigger, it gets a little harder to manage. And you have to kind of like decide, do I want to put this here or do I want to focus on this goal? 
Um, and they're fun little rounds. I'm having a great time with it. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, that's one that I've I've been intrigued by, but never pulled the trigger. But it does look fun. Yeah, it's definitely it scratches that itch that I kind of have with like. Normally, I like to play games with dif- like endings. Because if I play like a roguelike game, I feel like the ending is getting all the achievements and then I get a little too addicted to it. Um, and so when I play a game with like an ending or a game that's shorter, it feels better. But I, I do have that, that desire to play games that I can like fit around in here or there a lot. And I feel like this one, when it, I know a lot of the people who listen to this use mainly the Switch. And it is a good Switch game. I think it will, it'll be interesting because placing the tiles is really easy on a mouse. But like the kind of the nature of the Switch where it's kind of nice to have a game where you can play for like, a 30 to 45 minute session and then be done. I feel like this is the, the kind of itch that it scratches. But yeah, it's fun. Dorf Romantic, I recommend it, especially if you like puzzle games. There it is. Ooh. Curtis, what is your one thing? Um, or one things, I should say. It's, it's just one one thing. Wow. Yeah, because um, I'm just still playing Splunky 2 and Elden Ring and not doing anything else video game related. But today, my oldest, she turns six in October. Um, I tried to teach Woo! her. Yeah, I tried to teach her how to play Ticket to Ride. Not like the junior version, oh. like full on Ticket to Ride. Because <laughs> always, always fun. She wanted to play the, you know, the, I forget what the break something, don't break the ice, I think, game mm, with the yeah. penguin, you know, and little hammers. You know what I'm talking about, Paul? Yeah. yeah. I, I know classic, what you're talking about. That. I had game. that as a kid. Yeah. 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 And I was like, I don't want to play this again. So I was like, how about, do you want to try a grown-up game? And the ticket to ride, I was like, it's like <laughs> counting trains and matching colors. She's got this. I pulled it out and actually went really well. Um, I basically yeah. just helped her the whole time. I'm like, look, you don't know how to read yet. <laughs> so here's Los Angeles. You need to get to Miami and kind of showed her routes that she could take to get there. Um, and she just kind of counted her, her train cards and matched the colors and did a good job. She actually ended up beating me in the end. So good for her. Um, that's how you hook them. Yeah. Yeah. I think she had a lot of fun with it. <laughs> um, she did. It was kind of funny a couple of times. You could tell that she would get distracted by trying to find. I was I kept telling her, look, you need six green cards. You got to get any green cards you see or any rainbow. We just called the rainbow instead of wild. Um, and then <laughs> she'd be like, oh, I want the pink one. And like take two pink cards. I'm like, you don't need pink cards. <laughs> Why do you want the pink cards? I'm like, pink's my favorite. Okay, that's fair. 
So she did that a few times. It kind of cracked me up. Then she kept drawing two off the top, trying to get a specific color, and ended up with a few black train cards. And then there were a bunch of black train cards um, available just to grab. So she started grabbing all of these black cards, and she kept telling me she might need them for later, just in case. I was like, okay, if you say so. And then in the end, um, she was going to finish one of her tickets. And then I pointed out, look, you have six black train cards now. You can just build build that over here and get 15 points. <laughs> so she did that. And yeah, she ended up winning. So that was kind of funny. I just imagine her coming up to you and saying, hey, let's play Don't Break the Ice, Dad. And you're like, actually... Don't Break the Ice doesn't have enough strategy for a veteran gamer like myself. Uh, why don't we try something a little more adult? <laughs> a little more. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I told her. <laughs> yeah, she had a good time, though. So That's awesome. Part of me wonders if it's even worth it to get like the junior game. It's all she really needs to learn, I feel like, at this point, is how to read so she can read the cities on the map. Because she, you know, she's still learning that skill. And a lot of the, then when I was looking at a lot of the names, like Chicago, does it make sense? Why is it not pronounced like with a ch sound instead of the sh sound? It's like spelled weird, you know? Raleigh is on there. Like, it's spelled weird. So that'll be fun when <laughs> she's trying to read city <laughs> names and she's like, why is this spelled this way? I'm like, I don't know, man. <laughs> Learn to read, kid. Yeah, don't ask me why it's pronounced Montreal. I think it's French. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and that's just the reason we're yeah. not we're not going to explain it more yeah. than that. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I don't know. Miami. There's two eyes in that word, and they both make different sounds. I don't know why. Why That's a it, really good point. Why is it spelled that way? that way? Why is it not double E's at the end? Who knows? Miami with two E's seems like like a video game knockoff of the real city of Miami. <laughs> it's spelled like M-A-Y-A-M-E-E. Miami. Miami. That I think we're on to something. Yeah. I think this is we're on our way to like a thin stand up bit. <laughs> I think it's a pretty uh, thin one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say what you spelled it like Miami. Now now it sounds like like one of those crazy Utah names that Utah is known for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is my daughter, Miami. Miami. <laughs> Well, great. Does that mean it's my turn? Yes, it does. Well, it's the one that you've all been waiting for. Do you do you need complete silence for this? No, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> After 116 hours, I have seen <laughs> the credits of Persona 5 Royal. But Paul, that sounds good. Uh... <laughs> I okay so let's let's start by saying the ending I got I thought was pretty cool and I I thought that 
there was you know kind of a decent reward for all of the the dragging out I was complaining about before. There was, you know, a pretty satisfying wrap up with each individual character and and it really made sense. And there was the, the classic JRPG ending where there's the boss after the final boss and the boss after the final boss represents just like an abstract idea and is no longer a villain, but is just like a universal human struggle made into a boss that you have to fight, you know? So all the great elements were there. And then the game ended. And then the the extra semester that I had been promised because I purchased Persona 5 Royal and didn't play the original version, I will never play that content. <laughs> <laughs> in attempting to avoid spoilers i have not looked up very much about this game and just played it you know like naturally like whatever i i felt was made sense to do not knowing that if you don't do one specific thing you don't get to play the extra semester the game ends at the original ending and you you just don't get to go on. And even better, the one thing you have to do, you have to do by like November 15th or 18th or something. And the the ending I got is in April. So unless you like knew to create a save 40 hours ago, like, you are just 100% screwed. There is no way you are getting that extra semester unless you completely start over or just happen to have a save far enough back. And let me tell you, this really, really sours my <laughs> overall impression of Persona 5 Royal like, on the one hand, I can, like, logically respect that, like, wow, that is a huge, like, um, consequence of your decisions. Like, they really committed to that. What the, So many RPGs claim to do that. But then it's like, yeah, but we're not going to, like, hide content from you. You can still see, you know, basically everything. But, nope. I, I, there's like a whole extra character that you're supposed to be able to play with, I think. I'm still not really sure. Um, and then on top of that, there's apparently like a true ending that you have to do extra other things on top of the thing to just get the extra semester. And I'll never play that either. And... I, I'm still struggling with, like, what is my overall, like, final review of Persona in light of this huge, huge thing at the end that I just got totally blindsided by? Like, there was no hint whatsoever. So, like, there, was, there wasn't even, like, a line anywhere. Like, 
you might really want to talk to him. He could open up new doors or something. Semester abilities. There was no (laughs) indication whatsoever. I didn't even know. I mean, this is on me, I guess. But I didn't even know. So the way you have to do it is you have to talk to this one, like, counselor character, uh, like a school counselor who was added to Persona 5 Royal and wasn't in the original. You have to hit level nine. Yeah, level nine relationship with him before he leaves in the middle of November. I got to level eight. And didn't know that I was that close. Oh, my God. To this hugely important thing. But I didn't even know he was a new character, so I didn't I didn't even have a hint that he was like important to the new content. Yeah. And again, I guess this is on me because like I'm jumping in on this huge, huge thing really late. But like, come on. (laughs) So this does make me have a few questions for you. Yeah. The main one is. uh, Last week, if you would have known this information, which I mean, which I know would still be too late. Mm -hmm. Would you have been more upset? Or less upset? It's uh, a good question. And I, I only ask it because I almost said something about it last week because this is actually information I did know about. Uh, Persona you, 5 I know Royale. you said they're like, uh, there's missable trophies. Yeah, um, I, I did almost say something about the extra content. Uh, yeah, I... I don't know, probably would have been the same because, yeah, it would have been too late anyway. Well, the other question is. Like, I. For if this happened to me. I would still feel pretty satisfied with 116 hours of gameplay in there. And the fact that it's missable. Like, I feel like that it more so applies to people who have played it before like they like maybe royale was made for those people and like you technically did get new content because you talked to the (laughs) yes yeah sir who wasn't there before and there's the they added another girl but the the other girl that they added you get like one mission with her and that maybe this is also something else that i didn't get I played one mission with her, and then it was like, "Do you want to join the Phantom Thieves?" And she was like, "No." And then you, and then I never got to play with her again. Interesting. <laughs> and so I was assuming the entire game that, like, obviously she's gonna come back in that extra semester, and she's gonna join the team, and I'll get her back, like, to actually have her on the team as a regular party member in the extra semester. And then I just didn't get it. <laughs> and like I was planning on getting there's a couple trophies that I was like, I'll save that for the post game. Which the extra semester is like the end game. Yeah. And so like I was I just I was totally blindsided by this that like there's Yeah. I just didn't know enough. But I also feel like a game should communicate in some way to you. Yeah. 
Because, like, on the flip side of your argument of, like, I'd be satisfied with 116 hours, I spent 116 hours to not play what I thought I was getting. <laughs> yeah. And I, it, it, like, it does beg the question, like, is it, like, what was the purpose of not leading you there? Did they feel like they wanted you to experience that original ending still or right. like, they like feel like that is a satisfying conclusion. And so they want like new players to be able to experience it in the same way. I'm not really sure. But like when you go to buy persona five Royal, like one of the features it lists is an extra semester. <clears throat> So, like, I don't know. Imagine if you bought. Uh, you don't even have to say anything. I 100% agree with you. Yeah. Like, imagine if, like, Mario Odyssey 2 comes out and it says there's 17 worlds and then you beat 15 and the game just ends. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you missed something in World 10. Sorry. Yeah. And, like, World 2. <laughs> You didn't jump on this block five times, so no, you don't get it. Like I, like it's really interesting because you know we've kind of taken for granted that any secret a game has, you just look it up online. And I feel like this game was designed for people to just look it up online. And I tried to not look stuff up online and got really punished for it. <laughs> Like, all my hopes of getting the Platinum are totally gone. Uh, I just feel like I I didn't get, like, the real ending. Um, like, I was trying to make the quote-unquote good decisions, and I, I didn't, apparently. Uh, yeah, it's just like... Like, on the one hand, I could I could go replay it and get so much more value out of the game, right? But it's it's too much to replay just to experience this one thing, you know? So it's like, if this were a 20-hour game, I could play it twice and, and kind of explore all the options. But when it's a 120-hour game, it just... I just don't think I could do it. And I would just be, like, mad the whole time I played it. Well, uh, I have something that might make you feel a little better. Uh, I'm looking at a forum on GameFAQs.com right now. <laughs> and someone has a uh, message board that says, so the extra semester is missable, and he's asking what he needs to do. And... Two years ago, Old Snake Live On Eight posted a comment that says, "I wish I hadn't got the counselor to rank nine. The third semester sucks." Oh, so you're not missing anything. Yeah, and then but John, John A. Love says it's literally the best story arc in the game. To which Old Snake Live On Eight replies, "Besides the fact that it doesn't make any sense." Everything should have been wrapped up nice and neat after Shido's palace. So maybe you would be like Old Snake Live On 8. <laughs> maybe. But we'll never know.
That's true. Was it fun besides that? <laughs> uh, it's a game I've wanted to try out, but like I, if I don't miss the extra content, do you think it's fun? Is it worth playing 116 hours to do? Uh, I don't know if it's worth, like, I don't know if it, it's definitely not as exciting at hour 110 as it is at hour 30. There. Like, the game was paced so well for so long, and I was so impressed. And then the ending is, like, literally 40 hours. Mm. And they just, they just keep stretching it and stretching it and stretching it. And it's like, I know who the bad guy is. I know how we're going to beat the bad guy. You just won't let me do it. You just keep throwing more and more and more like dungeon hallways in front of me. And like there's a random puzzle mechanic that shows up near the end that was not in the rest of the game. And there's a lot of those puzzles. And then every time you think, okay, I'm going to get through this and then it's going to be the final boss. They like the final, final boss. They they just keep stretching and stretching and stretching. And it's like, I get it. This is the fifth game in the series. This is a series that people love. And you want to let them just soak it all up for as long as possible. But I feel like at this point that I'm getting like teased instead of like entertained. <laughs> like... That sounds super frustrating to me. <laughs> yeah. Like, I got pretty... And maybe it's just, like, where I'm at in my own head right now, but, like, I just could not... But, like, I was playing the ending of that and just being like, please let me go. And I know that this is ironic because now I'm complaining that I didn't get the extra stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... I wanted the story to finish so then I could like play around a little bit in like the extra semester and like wrap stuff up and get the trophies, you know, and kind of go at my own pace. But the story just would not conclude. <laughs> you and... think in the year and like, I don't know, 20 years or so, uh, let's, let's make it longer in like 50 years. People will be like, oh, what did you think of Final Fantasy 40? And some guy will be like, oh, I'm still only on hour 50 of the final boss. 30 more hours to go. Of the final boss. <laughs> oh, man. Wasn't there a, a clueless gamer with Conan O'Brien where they played Final Fantasy 15? Yeah, there was. Yeah. Yeah. And like at one point, his uh, his buddy that like actually knew games says like and this boss takes like a literal day like yeah. 24 hours like he just like Conan just like screams and he opens the door and he's like why is it like this and he like yells at the devs <laughs> why are you doing this yeah yeah i'm pretty sure that had elijah wood in it too and he's like super into it <laughs> yeah. i was like they, i think they're doing a side quest where they're looking for a wedding dress or something Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And Elijah's is like, <laughs> oh yeah. And Conan Bryant is like, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, I have to watch and, that again after this. And like, 
I know I'm the guy on this podcast that plays the long games and I keep throwing out like 90 hours, 100 hours. But for some reason, this one just did not work for me in the end. Yeah. Which is also funny because like this is one of the highest praised JRPGs literally ever. And for for some reason, just that ending felt like, are you freaking serious? Yeah. Like... <laughs> Like I told you guys last week that I had had beaten what I thought was the final boss. And I was technically only off by one boss. But to beat that boss, there's you have to get to the bottom of this dungeon that you've been playing the entire game. And it just keeps opening more and more little by little. You get to the bottom of that. And then there's a whole palace which all of the bosses have palaces that you have to explore and like get to the end of and there's random encounters well not totally random but there's encounters throughout the palace and then you make it to the end of the palace and then you fight the boss so at the at the bottom of this dungeon you've been playing the entire game little by little there's a whole palace and then you fight the final final boss and then there's a second entire palace. And then there's the final, final, final boss that has like four phases. And there's tons of enemies in that palace to get to that final boss. And like, this would all be fine if I felt like the story was progressing. Or if I, if I didn't feel like they were cueing to me the whole time like this is almost over but like literally the entire time like even the characters in the game start commenting like is this really it are we finally done because they know that they're just stretching this out and it just was like i'm not having fun anymore i'm just trying to get this out of the way and again maybe I just wasn't in the right headspace for it. And if I had played this at a different time, I would have been like, man, those last encounters were so cool. But they really, like, that final palace design really wasn't creative. Like, some of their palaces were super creative, but the last, like, two palace things were very bland and straightforward. I don't know. It just felt like... They were like, well, it's a JRPG, and we're only at 80 hours, so how are we going to pack 20 more hours into this? Yeah. So, yeah I, yeah, I I, I, don't know what overall, like, rating or review I would give Persona. Like, I was so into it for so long, and then it just crashed and burned so hard for me. So, I don't know. Maybe your experience would be different. <laughs> That's the official chance time review of Persona 5 Royale. There you go. <laughs> but maybe it would be good for you. <laughs> I will at least try it. I, I honestly know myself well enough to know that I don't think I will play 116 hours of it. <laughs> but when I start it, I will think that I'm going to. <laughs> and, and it will bug me because 
year five of not playing it, I'll be like, I got to get back to Persona 5. <laughs> I'll also say that I, I did manage to avoid... Apparently, there's like a really bad ending if you make one choice at one point. And I did manage to avoid that. So I got like the original good ending, but not like the best ending that got added in the second version of the game. So there's that, I guess. This is a lot of 10 out of 10s. <laughs> I'm surprised about that. Yeah. Oh, are you looking at reviews right now? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm not kidding. It is probably the best reviewed JRPG of all time. Yeah. And like, I've played a lot of JRPGs and I like JRPGs. And this one just, this burned me too hard. Well, that's fair. But when I try it, I'll let you know. Yeah. Like, I think I put 140 hours into Dragon Quest XI, and I love that game. So I don't know what made Persona 5 so different. <laughs> I mean, well, no, I'm not going to say anything because I get to ask you a million more questions. <laughs> but then we'll never know what the topic of the show is. Yes. If, if we if someone hasn't looked at the title before they press play. <laughs> yes. Well, topic of the show this week. Wait, can I say one more thing? Please do. I forgot to say another thing. <laughs> I just want to say that I started the adventure of ancient kung fu master. Slam dunk Derek uh, Sifu. <laughs> which they made me add incredible. Sifu at the end. <laughs> but he was originally Slam Dunk Derek. <laughs> That's, That's how all. people listen to this show for ideas <laughs> of how to name their video game characters. Create a legion of Slam Dunk Dereks. <laughs> Go for it. My Derek's. <laughs> uh, anyway, topic of the show. Um, let me preface the topic of the show with a little bit of a story. And then I'm going to do what I call laying the cards on the table. So I'm going to throw out a bunch of like quick facts. And then we're going to discuss having like all the cards on the table being on the same page about this topic. Uh, so here we go. The story. This week, a game came out that I've had on my Steam wishlist for a while called Railbound. And it is a game about two dogs trying to lay train tracks in the right place so that their train cars line up in the right order. It's a puzzle game. And... It came out on Steam. The reviews were pretty positive. And there was a bundle on Steam for this game and the developers' two previous games. And for some reason, the bundle was cheaper than the new game by itself. So, like, the new game by itself was like $11.69, and the bundle of all three games was like $11.62. So, I, I don't know why they would do that. So I was looking at this bundle, and then a lot of the reviews for Railbound said, feels like it would be better as a mobile game. 
And I was like, is it even on mobile? And I look it up on my phone, and it is on mobile. And actually, all three of the games in the bundle are on mobile. And to buy all three games on mobile would actually only be $7 versus $11.62 or whatever on Steam. And people are saying it feels like a mobile game. And I have my phone even more often than I have my computer or my Steam Deck. So I just went ahead and bought all three games on my phone. A bold and move. Yeah. And this got me thinking about, like, this seems to happen a, a lot now where a game gets released across multiple platforms all at once. But when it's released on mobile, it's inexplicably cheaper, even though it's the exact same game. Um, and this, I guess, another reason this is happening to me a lot is because it, it always happens with digital board game adaptations, which I, uh, I follow a lot of those pretty closely. And I did the same thing with Everdell a few weeks ago, where it came out on Steam and it came out on mobile, and it was like half the price on mobile. And I have my phone more often than I have Steam Deck or PC. So as long as it works just as well on mobile, I'm just, I, in, the, in these cases, I just go for it. And so this just got me thinking in general about like what is the future of mobile slash handheld gaming and started talking to Ryan Curtis about it and started researching it. And so now we'll get to the part where I put the cards on the table. So here's here's cards on the table. Are you ready? Ready. I have like seven cards to put on the table. Uh, card number one. In the last couple of weeks, PlayStation announced that they have purchased Savage Game Studios. Savage Game Studios is a mobile game studio. And in the announcement that they're going to purchase this studio, they compared it to their recent PC efforts, and, and this is a direct quote from the blog post. Our mobile gaming efforts will be similarly additive, providing more ways for more people to engage with our content and striving to reach new audiences unfamiliar with PlayStation and our games. Savage Game Studios is joining a newly created PlayStation Studios mobile division, which will operate independently from our console development and focus on innovative, on-the-go experiences based on new and existing PlayStation IP. Okay, so that, that's card number one. Card number two, Netflix has recently started releasing games on mobile exclusively. Um, and you log into your Netflix account, and then you get to play this game. And when and you I, look up... Quick clarification. Yeah. <clears throat> they have released games exclusively as in exclusive games or... Oh, you can just exclusively on mobile. play on mobile. Yeah, no, on yeah. I thought they had some on PC, but when I looked at it again today, none of them are available on PC. Um, so, yeah. 27 games so far. And then right at the top of their website, kind of the first thing they brag about is no ads, no extra fees, no in-app purchases. So they're they're trying to say, like, you know, differentiate from other mobile games out there. And there's some heavy hitters on this list. So Hextech Mayhem, the League of Legends spinoff, uh, Into the Breach is only on mobile through Netflix. 
Um, the only crazy. way you can play it on mobile is with a Netflix subscription. Exploding Kittens, which you can buy separately, but I guess you can also play with a Netflix subscription. Uh, Moonlighter, another kind of indie gem. The mobile version is only playable if you have a Netflix subscription. Um, and then they have just like a bunch of other like arcadey and, and classics and stuff. But they have some heavy hitters in there. I and... throw in uh, Before Your Eyes as well. Oh, I haven't I heard. heard about that one. No. That one's interesting. This is one I actually want to play on my phone because I don't have... It's the a game where it uses your webcam, so a camera to track your eyes so when you blink uh, like the game moves forward but then when your eyes are open it notices that through your camera so yeah. it like stays on a scene um but i don't have a webcam <laughs> on my pc so i can't actually play it through steam but i could do it on um, my phone so just not out there i've heard really good things about that one yeah yeah so they're 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 trying hard here. Um, and then, okay, so that was card number two. And then kind of as, a, as an addendum to that, remember that Apple now has Apple Arcade and Google now has Google Play Pass, which kind of promised the same thing as Netflix gaming. You know, subscribe, play games on your phone with no ads and no in-game purchases. Okay, card number three. Also pretty recently... Um, a a product called the Backbone, which is a controller meant to like grip your phone and basically make your phone a semi switch. You know where there's a screen in the middle and there's controllers. There's like a split controller on either side of the screen. It was originally like an Xbox focused product now has announced the Backbone PlayStation Edition. Um, and it's meant to like look and feel like a DualSense controller. Um, and their marketing focuses on like streaming PlayStation stuff to your phone, either from your console or from PlayStation Now, um, and playing it on your phone with this controller kind of gripping your phone. Uh, card number four, the Steam Deck. Are we not allowed yeah. to say anything in between card things? <laughs> well, I'm trying to just rush through it and, all right. and put it you, all on the you, table, you, and then we'll discuss all of it. Yeah, you you continue your rush. Yeah, it's <laughs> card number four. The Steam Deck is obviously doing very well, um, and competitors suddenly seem to be popping up all over the place. Like I, I keep seeing announcements of new handheld PCs. Uh, card number five. Well, I guess this is kind of an addendum to card number four. The switch is designed to be both your home console and your handheld console at the same time. Uh, card number five. I looked it up today because I've heard a lot about how mobile gaming is is huge in Asia, and so I wanted to look up like what's the truth behind that like what statistics do we have and it's it's not as dominantly mobile as i've been led to believe at least from the numbers i could find but anyway in southeast asia 80 percent of gamers play games on mobile 
69% on PC, 57% on console. Four of the 10 top games on YouTube in Southeast Asia are mobile games. Uh, Arena of Valor, Garena Free Fire, Mobile Legends, Bang Bang, and Roblox. The final card, I think we're on six. I didn't actually number these in my notes. But can you also post these in the chat or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Final card is Genshin Impact, Roblox, Minecraft, and Fortnite are all incredibly successful games that are essentially the same across all platforms, including mobile. Uh, you're not really playing the quote-unquote mobile version like League of Legends versus League of Legends Wild Rift. You're playing the same game on mobile as you are on PC or in the case of a couple of these, PlayStation. Oh, is, I don't even actually know. Is Roblox on PlayStation? I actually have no idea. I have no idea. I almost wonder if that's... Is that... I kind of thought that was a... Uh, what do you call it? <clears throat> Um, mobile exclusive game, but maybe it's not. I thought it was on PC. It was probably on PC, yeah. I don't know. Oh, I just tried to post it in the chat and it posted it as a picture. There, there you go. Posted text as well in the, like, Discord voice channel chat. Um. Anyway, these are all the things I'm thinking about. I have a bunch of questions about that, but I guess before I get to my questions, what of that did you guys want to talk about or comment on? Or what are your initial reactions to these cards on the table? Um, where did you post these? <laughs> In the so Discord now has, I'll just, never mind. You gotta I'm hover over the recording booth thing and under voice channels, there you go. and then <laughs> oh, the I see the chat now. button. But yeah, if you go to the, I yeah, did not know about that. I hope no one noticed that I went into a different voice channel as I tried to figure this out. Oh, I noticed, <laughs> <laughs> but no one else probably right. did. That's good. Um, let's see. Where to start? <laughs> do, do you have like a a general thing that you like? I all all of these facts seem to meld together well. Well, and it like it does kind of set you up to be like, okay, I can kind of see where the future of mobile gaming is going. Yeah, so I guess what I should ask is, are there any additional cards that should be on the table? Like, mm -hmm. are there other things about mobile and handheld gaming, other, like, trends or things that you guys want to bring up before we get into the questions of, of well, this topic? There's the uh, streaming thing, too. You got Google Stadia, yeah. Xbox has their xCloud thing. You can essentially cast or stream yep. games from your PC or PlayStation or whatever to your phone and play on there, which helps with the yeah. backbone controller. Um, so there's the whole streaming thing that's supposedly up yes. and coming as well. Yeah, which, and Amazon is trying very hard with 
Amazon and Luna. Luna. Yeah, that's a thing yeah. too. That's right. So yes, that's definitely that should be a card on the table. Yeah, so that's there because then that way you have full on AAA experiences that you can play just on your phone. And I think the vision there is that you can play them wherever, which, you know, your mileage will vary, especially if you're right. on mobile data. But yeah, that's there too. I also feel like another card is uh, some uh, something like on the Google Play Store, they have... Uh, most games, when you play them, it asks you to sign into a Google account and they have like a, a Steam like interface where it logs different stats and yeah, has and its achievements. achievements yeah. And they, they kind of emulate the PC experience or the right. console experience. Yeah, they're, they're trying to make themselves more visible as a platform. Yeah. yeah, it's like you're playing this on Google, and that matters as opposed to playing it to somewhere else. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, other than that, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I really have much. Does Does the fact that you can download emulators on a phone pretty easily count as anything? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely. Yeah. That's there too. A, a huge trend, yeah. Like if you look at the top Google Play like premium games, I want to say like at least ten of the top one hundred are different kinds of emulators. I didn't even check that. Uh, top charts change it from top free to top. Yeah. Paid. <clears throat> oh, there it is. Yeah. There's like a Game Boy one that's usually near the top. Yeah, top page. Yeah. Now, there's a few games on here too that are like big, like Five Nights at Freddy's right. on here, Slay the Spire, Papers, Please. Yep. Apparently, it just came out on phones. Terraria, Stardew Valley. Oh, they got Castlevania Symphony of the Night on here. That's right, they do. Right. And number 11 on Google Play right now is Drastic DS Emulator. And number Roller 12, Coaster Tycoon Classic? What? Come on. <laughs> number 12 is My Boy Game Boy Advance Emulator. Oh, I might have to. Oh, it's on my wish list already. Um, there's more somewhere. Yeah. 48 is My Old Boy Game Boy Color Emulator. 50 is. E PSXE for Android. Yeah. PlayStation emulator. A few of these are like uh um board games too. Yeah. I saw well, a I wingspan mean, on here. Yeah, the premium is is very different than the top grossing, which is what actually makes the most money, you know. Yeah, that's true. Um anyway. Well, I guess do you guys think there is like a push like well I I would say that there's a push towards these top like the paid games that you just you pay for them on your phone and then you have them and you can play them instead of the free to play games that are really popular. Well, I feel like yeah, there's a, 
I don't know if there's a yeah. push or like these developers are making games on PC and stuff and they're like, you know what, this will run on phones and there's a huge audience there and we might as well put it on phones too. Yeah, well, with the subscription services, they definitely seem to think they can they can kind of cut through the noise by by literally removing the noise, you know, by yeah. if you just pay us a subscription fee, you don't have to see the ads. You don't have to be bothered with constant requests to buy things. Mm-hmm. Um, so Apple and Google and Netflix all seem to think that there's a lot of money to be made there by freeing people from from the free to play wild west that has dominated mobile for the last 10 years yeah but i don't i don't know if there's proof that that's working like i don't know like about yeah how many people are subscribed to these is it profitable i don't i don't think a lot of that information is out there but it definitely seems like big people at big companies think there's money to be made by kind of breaking the chains of free to play for sure yeah um and yeah right no continue with your thought i'm still trying to formulate well let me ask my questions okay yeah. maybe that will help that so will my help. first question my first question is like why it seems like with all these cards on the table that that everyone is trying to let you game on the go more. Valve wants you to do it. Nintendo wants you to do it. Apple, Netflix, Google. Um, PlayStation suddenly wants you to game on the go more. Xbox with xCloud wants you to game on the go more. Why do all these people think people want to game on the go more than ever? I you could argue that like you know more people work from home for a while people weren't traveling although it seems like travel is is back to normal but like there's a lot of reasons that people are actually home more than they were in the past why does everyone want to game on the go more and more and more um and I genuinely don't have an answer to this so I'm I'm curious what you guys think I don't know if it's about specifically playing games on the go or i think it's more just the convenience of it especially with phones because i mean everyone has a phone if you can get a game to run on android or iphones like there's a huge audience so i mean it's convenience both ways because developers can get their games in front of way more people if they put it on pc and phones instead of just pc right but then, like, why the Steam Deck? <clears throat> um, probably because there's still people like me <laughs> who don't want to play <laughs> games on their phone and will pay money for a Steam Deck. But, but why not just play on a PC? Like, why is the Steam Deck attractive versus just a, a PC on a desk? It's just the convenience, man. Like, I play my Switch the most, probably. And it's because uh-huh. I'm working from home. I have it sitting on my desk next to me. And then I'm like, I'm going to play Spelunky for 15 minutes for a quick break, pick it up, play a little bit, and then I can just put it down 
put it to sleep. I don't have to boot it up or anything like that. You know, right. I don't have to switch my screen because I'm like, I'm literally sitting at a desk with my PC here, but I have my work laptop that I'm working on. So I'd have to boot my PC up or whatever, wake my right. PC up, switch the monitor. So it's displaying that. And then I got to unplug my keyboard from my work laptop and then plug it into my <laughs> PC. And then I got to boot up steam and boot up whatever game I want to play. And then I can play it. And then when I'm done, I have to shut off the game. <laughs> I got to redo everything. And then I'm back. Like, this just feels like so much work where I can, instead with right. this switch or, you know, Steam Deck, whatever, I can just turn, pick up my switch and then play a game. I just hit a button, right. unlock it. And then I'm in the game. I don't even have to go through a menu. Like, right. it's so much more convenient. <clears throat> I yeah. Okay. This is yeah, this doesn't ahead, really answer anyone's question. <laughs> but it it's interesting because I think you can create whatever ecosystem you want of entertainment where my computer is upstairs and so my thought process is usually uh, well I have to go downstairs and grab my switch which that's where it usually is. Mm -hmm. And that ends up being more inconvenient than me going on my computer and which doesn't take too long to boot up, doesn't take too long to open steam and hit play. And usually I get into the game pretty quickly, but I also kind of treat steam PlayStation and Nintendo as different entities mm -hmm. where instead of thinking, what's the most convenient way for me to play a game I think, well, I, if I want to play a Nintendo game, I'm playing it on my Switch. But if I yeah. want to play an indie game, I'm probably playing it on my computer. But if I want to play a PlayStation game, I'm playing it on the PlayStation. But that doesn't really answer anything because that's what I'm used to. And that's kind of the, the ecosystem I've created for myself. Yeah. Um. And I know a lot of people don't view it like that. They want what's just most convenient. Um, but going into uh, why people want to play games on the go, for me, I feel like it, part of my answer is bleak in a way where it's just kind of like there's so much content and companies know that people have a lot of FOMO of like not being able to get to all this content. Mm -hmm. And so they know that there's people there. If you market it as well, you can play this in a break you have for like 10 minutes. That way you're not missing out on it. Yeah. And like, I feel like there there's part of that where that's part of the marketing is like, you can fit in as much content so you don't have to think about your current <laughs> lifestyle or anything right now <laughs> or how crappy your job is or whatever. But I, I think there's another part of it where it's just kind of like people want to play games because that's what they like to do. And before you were limited on like, well, you're going on a plane ride and you have a DS, so you're going to be playing Pokemon or you're going to be playing uh, some game you downloaded on the shop on the plane if <laughs> you want to play games. 
it's either that watch a movie or read a book or sit in silence or chat, <laughs> chat with a loved one, I guess is pretty hot. <laughs> or a stranger. <laughs> yeah, or a stranger. But if, if you want to play games, like having options is nice. Like yeah. it, it is nice to me that I will probably, I, I'm going on a plane next week. And part of my thought process is, oh, it's going to be nice that I have time to play Live Alive. And it, I, a long time ago, I wouldn't have had that option because it would only be on like a console or something like that. Um, and so I, I think that's the other part of it is like, if you have free time, but you're not at home, like it's nice to be able to play a game on the go if you don't want to do anything else, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just say that kind of going off that, that companies are realizing, developers are realizing Kind of what I was saying before, where you get more people, get your game in front of more people if you have it on mobile and PC. Like, that's the same thing with the Steam Deck. It makes it easier to play PC games, so people are going to want it to be able to play more games more often. Like, it's just the... They're just trying to get games to where people are, you know? If that Mm -hmm. makes sense. So... Yeah. They're just trying to make it as easy as possible to play a video game. So if that means you have a Steam Deck, so now you don't have to boot up your computer, or if you don't have a computer, you don't have to deal with buying an extra controller and having an external display to plug something into. Like you can buy a Switch or a Steam Deck or something like that, and then you just have everything that you need right there in one spot. You don't have to worry about anything else, you know? Or if you get your phone, you can play with touchscreen controls if you want to, and it's just there. You have your phone with you all the time anyway, so people are going to, you know, potentially play games there. And I'd also throw out, too, that, like, the gaming habits of the upcoming generation, like kids, are probably very different than ours, (laughs) you know? Because I grew up playing on a Game Boy, so it feels really weird to play anything else that's not on, like, a handheld console, like, dedicated video game console it's like a phone still feels weird to me as much as i've tried to get through that it still feels weird whereas a steam deck or a switch sounds incredible to me like it's just a juiced up game boy and that's like my childhood dream you know whereas kids now you know they all have phones it's really easy for them to pick up a phone and play whatever game they want and uh, they're probably way more used to that like i've seen little kids play minecraft on a phone like it blows my mind how well they can control that thing it made me feel old that i was like in college i was probably like 22 years old and i saw this kid playing minecraft on their his parents phone i was like how are you doing that like what the heck man so i I had bought minecraft on my phone i'm like i can't control this like my thumbs don't function properly it happened when i tried wild rift i'm like i can't play league legends like this like i need a mouse and keyboard but, this know. this is my question yeah. though about that going to terms we can understand being old old <laughs> men who don't really understand the new ways of the world yeah yeah uh people who are really into first person shooters swear that if you're not playing with a mouse and keyboard you're losing part of that strategy, like losing part of the hand-eye coordination, Mm -hmm. the twitch reflexes aren't as good. Do you feel like 
in order for people to kind of like for something like Fortnite, like maybe like I am like I don't understand the mobile stuff either. Like especially <laughs> playing on like a touch screen as if it were like a controller. And so like it it is kind of like it, is it just that it's a learning curve and once you get used to it, it's fine? Or is it that are the better Fortnite players playing on a console with a controller or with a mouse and keyboard? Or is everybody kind of just as good no matter what they play on as long as they're used to it? I think you still have, there's a distinct advantage to a shooter if you're playing with a mouse and keyboard because it's just it's easier to be accurate with a mouse and keyboard, you know, I think anyway, but, but yeah, like the argument, the things we say about touchscreen controls, like, how do you do this? It doesn't make any sense. My brain doesn't function that way. Like when first person shooters started coming out on consoles, like it was, it was, have you gone back and played like GoldenEye (laughs) on Nintendo 64? He's like, Oh man. Controls so bad. Like it makes no sense how it controls to me like consider like comparing it to how fps games play on console nowadays you know i mean to be fair they only had one joystick on the n64 so i don't know how else he would have done it but like i imagine that the same things were said whereas like how do you play this first person shooter with a controller with joysticks that doesn't make any sense like i can only do it with a mouse and keyboard I bet those same arguments were made, just like we're saying. How do you play any video game without a controller? How do you do it on a touchscreen? Like, I, I mean, think we're gonna generational shifts, whatever you want to call it. Eventually, like it'll be not the norm. It's not going to be the norm because you know people still play any both first person shooters, or yeah, on both PC with keyboards and whatnot, and on consoles with um, game pads, and it works just as fine either way i think it's just gonna get to the point where like this is just another way you can play this game and whatever works for you is best kind of thing you know yeah but i i do like i could see it going in a different way though where i could see stuff like the backbone being like the normal way or like phones like coming with their controller attachment the what's the the switch phone that paul pitched i i want yeah, my switch phone exactly <laughs> um uh, because i feel like i did have that experience of i didn't have a controller for my computer for a very long time and i i got to the last level in super meat boy on a keyboard wow because i was enjoying <laughs> the game and then the day I got a controller for my laptop at the time, I felt like a fool. <laughs> because I was like, how did I play? I can't even imagine how I played it with a, a keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> like at this point in my life. And I do feel like some games I think do work well with the, the touch controls. And I, I do yeah, think they yeah, are fine tuning like the moving the camera and like I have had good experiences with kind of the touch screen. I think they've evolved way beyond like here's a virtual joystick and virtual buttons. Like, yeah, yeah. They're getting a lot better of adapting different games to the touch screen. But I, I do also think that like 
it, I don't know. I feel like the I could see it going in other ways because there is kind of. I, I don't really know, actually. Maybe there's not as much of a divide as I think there is, but like I feel like with certain games, like in order to step up a bit, I feel like it's got to... I don't know. The developer has to develop it in a different way mm-hmm. in order for it to work on a phone. Yeah. For certain genres. I, I, don't, I can't even think of anything yeah. off the top of my well, head. Like but. platformers or like terrible on touchscreen controls in my opinion like in mario if you're trying to play a mario game like emulate a mario game on your phone like it's so it's not easy to hold down the y button to sprint and jump Mm, at the same time like it stuff like that just doesn't work well you know but like you said though the backbone controller or you get a clip phone mount thing for your xbox controller like it makes a difference and that's getting easier and easier to do. Which honestly, like I don't know if I'll ever be the person to play like really play games like all the way through, like emulate something or you know, any game with like start to finish where there's a start to finish. Like I usually just play puzzle games basically on my phone to kill a few minutes when I need to. But it's exciting to me that there's more and more and more options to play more in intensive games, you know, like that's super cool. I think it's really cool that something like Stardew Valley is on everything and Minecraft is on everything. And that's really something, you know, I think it's great for video games that they can be played in so many different ways now. Did you want to ask us anything else, Paul? Uh, I mean, yes, but you've kind of already addressed my next question. But let's let's put a bow on it. Do you think we are headed for a mobile PC console convergence where in the future it won't be about what hardware you play it on? The game will just exist and there'll be a million different ways to play it and you just kind of pick where you want to play it. Mm. Do you think the walls are falling down? Mm, yes and no. <laughs> okay. Just because, I mean, the biggest AAA games on your PlayStation 5, just straight up, they're not going to run on your phone, right? And, I mean, maybe in the future of streaming's good enough to stream it to your phone, maybe then. And I guess that's the goal that, companies are working towards but Mm -hmm. i don't know it still feels weird especially those big triple a games to shrink it down onto a screen as small as your phone i don't know it feels weird to me to me at least so i think i mean we're working there maybe i guess but if you go to like a smaller game yeah i think we're getting to that point i think it's really great that something like like into the breach is a really really good game like it's a great strategy game and it makes perfect sense to have that on phones. It's kind of funny to me that you can only play it through Netflix, but <laughs> it's it's cool that it's there, you know. Same thing with Moonlighter. That game looked cool and I've always wanted to try it out. I mean, and I have access to it on my phone. This is kind of cool. There's a lot of those really cool indie games that are really deep and satisfying games to play that would be cool to play on your phone. 
I think the other problem you run into though, if you're installing it specifically onto your phone is like file size. Cause I imagine, I don't know, but like imagine like, like hollow Knight playing on your phone. Like that's going to be a big thing you have to download and phones don't have a ton of space with, you have all your apps on there and stuff too, you know, but yeah, I think we're getting there. And, but besides we have to take out the console exclusives and stuff like, Nintendo's never going to port something like, I don't know, Splatoon over to phones, right? Even though that's one that I, would make sense to have a shooter like Fortnite or something, right. like Nintendo putting Splatoon on phones. Like, it's just seeing I that mean, something like Fortnite works, that could work on phones, and I could see it being really popular, but they're never going to do that. I think I said on this podcast, like, maybe less than a year ago, Sony will never put Last of Us on PC. True. So I, yeah. I think, I mean, maybe attitudes are changing. I mean, not Nintendo, to your point. That's that they don't seem to be opening yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it it kind of feels like the gap between consoles and handhelds, like way back in the day. You know what I mean? Like. Here's your mm. PlayStation 3 and PSP. That's kind of like the divide it feels like because phones aren't as powerful as home consoles. Like no phone's going to be like a PS5 or an Xbox Series X. Like you just, just no, no, <laughs> right? It's not going to happen. <laughs> but it seems like they put, here's a, here's the, I don't know, series, game series that you love from your console. Here's a game for your phone from that series kind of a thing, but it's not going to be the same game. You know what I mean? seems like they might, they could do that too. Yeah. And I mean that there's been a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Um, do you, by convergence, do you mean will, when a game releases, it will release on mobile PC and console at the same time, or and like there will never be any question like you will always be able to play anything on whatever or do you mean will PlayStation come out with like I I guess what I'm getting at is I think the convergence could be the perfection of streaming right yeah yes that Where, that alone could just solve it yeah yeah because i don't think we're gonna get to a point at least anytime soon and by anytime soon i mean within the next 20 years <laughs> where it's just oh last of us part three is coming out it's coming out on mobile pc and playstation no questions right like yeah. i i don't think we're close to that but i think if streaming becomes like a thing that actually works well. And I know people argue that it does now, but I have an <laughs> the trust isn't there. Yeah. The I trust isn't there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I recently tried out a bunch of streaming things and I will, I would do want to get into that at some oh, point, okay. but, but not Guess right you know. now. Um, <laughs> but I, I think once they figure that out, then it will kind of be like, Oh, play last of us part three on your phone and PC via the PlayStation streaming app. And then maybe in 40 years, Nintendo will be like, check out our streaming app. Forty years. So I think that <laughs> avoids the other hurdle that, you know, cause Paul, you mentioned that 
it was weird the or you noticed that the what game was it trail rail rail bound rail bound yeah yeah that it was cheaper on phones like that's the other hurdle is the audience on phones yeah is gonna like like if imagine that their everyone's phone could run the last of us part one that's coming out this month great no one is gonna pay 70 dollars to download that (laughs) onto their phone like those people like people who play games on their, like they're not used to they're used to the free to play games or four or five dollar games like they're not gonna pay like mario run mario who is like a mascot that everyone knows from the 80s and is still going super strong today like that game flopped because it was ten dollars on mobile right. phones right like no one wanted to pay that much money for a mobile game that's like one thing yeah. that's kind of weird for mobile games. Yeah, I do think for a true convergence to happen, one of one uh, one or both of these two things would need to happen. Game design would need to change so that the same thing feels good everywhere. And I think that's what Genshin Impact has tried really hard to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Minecraft. And I, I don't think Fortnite is, is as successful as the other ones, but they tried that as well. Just, just make the game in such a way that it works for all interface options. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> or the hardware status quo of mobile would need to change. And so something like the backbone would need to become way more mainstream. Um, Can you imagine like a phone? Remember the sidekick? Uh, remember the I remember the name. And it kind of looked like a smartphone, but you push on the screen and then it flipped open, like rotated open, snapped open like that. Oh, and then you yeah, had a keyboard yeah. on the inside. Uh-huh. Imagine yes, a smartphone like that where you pop it open and it's cute, like <laughs> and it's the controller so, and a controller instead of a keyboard under there. That'd be cool. Right. Yeah. I'd be really interested in a phone like that. Personally. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would never probably use it. What about a phone that it. had joy cods attached to the side? There you go. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we're, yeah. <laughs> I still probably wouldn't use it, but it's like, that's possible. It's weird to think that a company hasn't tried that yet. I think, uh, I think people have tried, but none of them have like broken through the noise. Yeah. You have to really market it. I don't know. Who do you market it to though? That's the thing. I don't know. It's starting to feel like something like that could be real, you know? Right. The, the actually, no, this is already done. What was it called? The N-Gage? Is that what it was? Do you guys remember that thing? I remember it, was, it, but I... I think it was I the can't... Nokia N-Gage. Yeah, yeah. There I remember the... hearing about it. I think it was a cell phone, but it had a D-pad and stuff. Yeah, the N-Gage, that's what it was. So this was yeah, and, released in 2003 and it was a I'm pretty sure it was a cell phone and like a Game Boy essentially. Right. 
Yeah. See, and the more we talk about that, the less feasible that part seems to me. So the less feasible. Yeah, like the less. Well, just the attempts that have been done have been such flops. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, but maybe there's a more elegant way that we're imagining now. Because the problem is, even like even in, if the Switch phone were real, that means in my pocket I have to have my phone and my Joy-Cons, even if they're like small Joy-Cons. That just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, but people carry their switch around with them, but not like absolutely everywhere. Yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know. Like, I do believe it could be made, but are people going to use it like every day? Like, are people going to be convinced by the switch phone or any version of that? And that is like the hardware they choose. I don't know. And I guess. That's why we're not seeing that. Like the backbone, I think is is the most successful phone controller I've seen so far. Like that one seems to be sticking around. There's been a lot of phone controller ideas, mm-hmm. um, and they've come and gone pretty quickly. Um, but I mean, Genshin Impact continues to dominate, and they solve the problem by just designing the game differently. And so maybe we'll see more and more of that. Um, and Minecraft also obviously has made it work. Yeah. Um, so I guess we will see more of that for sure, of, of attempting the convergence purely by software, by we made a game that makes sense on mobile and PC and console. Um, and so it's it's different than the games you played before, but it's it's capturing the core gamer audience just as well. And we're making buckets of money. So I do think we will see more of the attempt in that direction, especially in the near future. I think we'll see a lot more of that brand of game of the we made a game to go everywhere at once. Yeah. Yeah, um, especially and, when they have the account like Fortnite does the, you know, Epic right. Games account. So if you unlock skins or whatever on your phone, you can go go home and then play on your PC or PS4 or 5 or whatever. And then have all the same skins and everything, right? Yeah. Cross-platform progression. Did did they ever actually announce Fall Guys coming to mobile? Because Fall Guys is another one that, like, that could just be the exact same game, mobile, console, PC. Yeah. I don't know that they did, but they could. Yeah, I thought I saw something about it was coming to mobile in China, but, like, nowhere else. Mm. (laughs) They did put it on Switch, finally. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, um, part of me feels like with the Steam Deck and everything and all these mobile gaming PCs and stuff that are coming out, I wouldn't be too surprised if some companies like like Motorola or something, I don't know, comes out and says, hey, here's our, here's our smartphone with the built-in 
controllers. Yeah, that's interesting. I wouldn't like, be too surprised if are... that happened fairly soon, just with how, yeah, yeah the whole mobile, like, like we're talking about, the whole mobile gaming thing is really taken off again. Yeah, but it's it's a Steam Deck phone. Yeah. But what OS it would be it'd be hard to design though because you're right it's still a phone you're gonna take that thing everywhere with you you can't make it like a Steam Deck like it's right the switch is too big you have to figure out some way to do it but I mean is Samsung's making their foldable phones like it's possible it's doable that could be something there yeah is the solution uh actually thinking in terms of will there be technology that makes phones obsolete there you go will will wearable technology right like take off and then we have a holographic technology and we can just generate a screen in front of us right and then a holographic controller appears before our eyes and <laughs> we're pressing the air but Right. Haptic it's feedback just... gloves makes it feel like we're pressing buttons on a controller. <laughs> I mean, I there is something to that. People are <laughs> people are trying all of those things. <laughs> None yeah. of them feel like they're going to succeed yet, but there might be something in all of that. Yeah, I mean, I did see an ad on Instagram recently for glasses that project a TV screen in front of you. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've, I've seen that too. It was a Kickstarter that was yeah. like pretty successful. Yeah, And in my head, it's hard to wrap my mind around like, this will look good with <laughs> yeah. what they can right. make. But the way they showed it, it makes me think, oh, when we get to that point in the future, that will be really cool. Right. And like if I just connect a Bluetooth controller in there and then streaming works really well. Like I can do the game and in yeah. terms of how I want to. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the the least predictable end of the spectrum, but you, you can't. <laughs> You can't deny it. I mean, there, there is kind of like, you know, the smartphone itself was just this enormous, like, life-changing technology, right? Like, our lives, our day-to-day lives are very different post-smartphone than they were pre-smartphone. Mm-hmm. And I, I do wonder, like, what's the next thing that's going to change our lives that much? Um, something, you know, there's going to be something that changes our lives as much as the smartphone. I have no idea what it will be, but when yeah. it happens, it will play into all of these things we're talking about one way or another. Yeah. And I mean, there is a potential future where they create like the, the Epic phone or something like that. And it is like the perfect synergy of console and mobile. And then like it forces everybody to be like, well, like you, we have the Nintendo app on the Epic phone because that's all everyone, anyone is buying these days. And like the steam (laughs) 
you can the Steam app is on Epic Phone or something, and right. If they create a, a piece of technology that's good enough, like I could see everybody. It's it's similar to how there's the Epic Game Store, but then they have like the Ubisoft or the UPlay. Do they still do UPlay? I actually don't I know if so. that's continued. You could still around. Yeah. And like EA Play and the Blizzard launcher and all that. Like right. These are all things that play technically on PC, but they're the company's specific right. storefront that you have to use in order to play these games. Mm-hmm. I think an- another thing that needs to happen is an OS convergence. If there's an OS convergence, then a lot of doors open. <clears throat> like, I don't know how that would happen. I mean, they tried Windows Phone. They tried to like make a a, a mobile version of Windows. Or if I mean, and they've tried desktop Android, but none of that has really worked yet. Um, but if there's like a single OS that can bridge all of the hardware gaps, and then you make the game once, and it just works on that OS. Um, that could really speed this up as well. I mean, and I guess you Apple, could argue Apple, yeah. Yeah. But I guess the problem with Apple is their main focus is not games. Right. And especially on the PC side of things. things. Yeah. And it's still not like 100%. Like, it's still technically, like, the Mac OS is still different than iPad OS and iOS, Right. Like they're really compatible, but I think they are technically different operating systems. Yeah, that makes sense. I I don't know that for sure. Um, but anyway, um, so to kind of wrap this up, we've talked about all the things I want to talk about, but I want to kind of ask to kind of focus it back to to the now. Well, can I really yeah. talk? Or can I talk real quick about streaming? Yes, yeah. Because it, this actually does go really well into this topic. Where yes, yes, please. I, I thought talking, we had talked enough about streaming, but I forgot you said you had more to say. So I, yeah, I just have this quick anecdote. I was talking to friend of the show Curtis Lowe, oh, yeah. uh, a couple <laughs> couple months ago, and I was telling him I'm thinking about getting a backbone. And it was in the height of all of my friends getting Steam Decks. And I was just like, I don't want to spend 500 bucks on a Steam Deck. And I, the battery issue is enough of an issue where I'm like, I can wait one, I can wait for Steam Deck 2 when it's kind of worked out a bunch of the kinks. Right. They've made it better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was like, well, the solution is obviously the backbone because all of these streaming apps are coming out and like people say good things about them. And so I mentioned that to Curtis and Curtis was like, I feel like you could get the same experience by doing connecting a controller to a tablet and uh, just using the streaming app that way. And I was like, I'm dumb. Of course, that's the solution. And so I tried out the Steam streaming app 
Um, and I tried out the PlayStation streaming app specifically on the tablet. And even before that, uh, before we started during our break, something I meant to talk about at one point, but I never did was I busted out the steam link. Oh, nice. nice. And I forgot about that. I I was like, I remember having a positive experience with it. I'm going to try it out again and had a positive experience with it again. I think it's pretty good, but I do think that it is exactly the same as the Steam streaming app, which is pretty good, but there you don't want to play higher end games on it. Right. And but like I my test on the tablet was and on the Steam link actually was uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shredder's Revenge. And it worked perfectly on it. And then I tried Cuphead. And that one worked well the first time I played it on the Steam Link. And then I did it again and the lag was noticeable. Not noticeable enough where it wasn't like horrible, but it was noticeable enough where I was getting hit in places where I'm like... I could have dodged that. And that's the nature right. of Cuphead. So maybe I was just doing bad, but it felt like there was a difference. <laughs> um, but it, it still wasn't like a perfect experience where I was like, I want to use this as like my like the way I play. Yeah. Or like, oh, the like. We're about to go to bed. I want to play a game for like 15 minutes. I doing it through the tablet wasn't that great. And then with the PlayStation streaming app, they're not there yet. And I don't think they'll be there for a while. It just, it didn't look great. And there's an issue where when you connect a PlayStation five controller to the tablet, PlayStation's app doesn't read the button configuration right. Wow, interesting. And so I was pressing like the L button and my character was jumping. I was playing Kena Bridge of Spirits. That was my my test game. Right. And all the buttons were like off and I looked it up and everybody was like, PlayStation has no fix for this. <laughs> and I could have like probably downloaded like a button mapper or something like that. And yeah, but that's that's too much. Yeah, and so maybe it works with the the dual shock. Is that the PlayStation Four one? Uh huh. But connecting the dual sense wasn't uh, a flawless experience, and so I ultimately decided with that that I wasn't going to get a backbone and I wasn't even going to care about <laughs> streaming games to my phone or tablet, which is sad because I could see that future where it, that would be a cool solution to I want to play this game on the go or I want to spend time with my wife, but I don't want to be hold up on a computer 
while she reads or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it seems like that future is there and everyone can see it, but it just still feels far away. Yeah. And so, and I don't know, like, it's not like any one player can just figure it out, right? Just internet speeds in general just need to kind of increase, like, ISP router like there's so many things that have to just kind of all get better and no one company has enough influence to just make it happen like not even google yeah so it's it's yeah but i mean someday it will happen <laughs> yeah they i mean i've heard the promise of wi-fi 6 a thousand times and they always say it's close but right well wi-fi 6 is out there yeah but. but it's it's not like a mainstream thing yeah like for some reason fo- like phones need to adopt it and like i i don't know yeah. i guess not phones but like it just needs to be like a you know what i mean it just doesn't yeah. seem like it's out there <laughs> yeah it needs to be more out there I guess Wi-Fi 7 is on the horizon, according to <laughs> this Wikipedia article. Ooh, nice. And yeah, give you okay. a 40,000 uh, megabit link rate. That's what we need. Wi-Fi 6 is 600 to 9,608. Yep. This is all things I understand. Let me tell you, I don't understand it as I'm <laughs> relaying the information to you. <laughs> okay, well. Do you have anything to say, Curtis? I think Curtis had to step away. I know. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's one of those jokes that the moment I said it, I was like, no one, no one will think this is funny right. <laughs> you and i are the only ones who know that he stepped away right well i thought you just hadn't seen the chat yeah which makes it even less funny <laughs> <laughs> well let me get into oh, curtis is back oh there he is i'm back hello okay i want to get into i think this will be the final question and a good and a good wrap-up of this discussion um, and this takes it back to kind of like the immediate present. Uh, going all the way back to the first card I laid on the table, PlayStation buys Savage. After all this discussion we've had, if you were PlayStation, which of all these mobile game trends are you using Savage Studios to follow? What do you do? What's the PlayStation mobile strategy? That, that's my question. $10, Super Last of Us Run. <laughs> Joel running around. like It's like Temple Run, but it's Joel, and you can press a button to shoot. Yeah. yeah. And then you go side to side to dodge the... They literally did that with Uncharted, whatever. actually. I forgot. 
there's already an Uncharted runner, I'm pretty sure, that they did at some point. But there, you can pet giraffes in Last of Us Run. I mean, yeah, <laughs> there you go. Spoilers for The Last of Us, the 10-year-old game. That was in the trailer for one of the Last of Us <laughs> remake trailers. Yeah, where they Uncharted. were talking about how you could feel how the giraffe feels when you pet it in the controller. Is that real? Really? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know about that. That's funny. Uh, Uncharted Fortune Hunter mobile game is be has been shut down. Oh my gosh, this is from March 28th of this year. Wow, that game lasted a long time. But what was it? Was it a runner? I don't remember. But anyway, okay. Hmm. Um, okay, so they could go that route of just we're going to make typical mobile games using PlayStation IP. Uh, what other ideas what, like what else a, do you think they can do? Honestly, I could see them doing a mix of more premium games and then mm-hmm. also free-to-play games and just find the franchise or the IP that fits best for those, if that makes sense. Yeah. You could do, I'm just trying to think of what game, like a, I don't know, civilization builder type game for Horizon and you have a tribe and you gather resources and stuff and avoid robot dinosaurs. I don't know. You could do something small like like that. That could be like a right. game or something. Or I guess that could be a free-to-play game. I don't know. You could do something like that. You could do Uncharted Match 3 where Nathan Drake is matching treasures. I don't know. You could... I'm completely blanking on what IPs they have now. Sackboy. Uh, Sackboy yeah. would be a great option for like a, like a uh, runner. Astro. That would work really well. Astro yeah, would work Astro. really well. But like something like God of War, I don't know how you could fit that into something, you know. Yeah, I mean the Horizon, but the Horizon settlement builder, you could, you could that's mold into unfortunately, different... yeah, unfortunately, yeah. a pretty viable idea. You could do something like that. Well, do you were you possibly alluding, Paul, to the fact that like, do you think there's a future where they just say? Hey, you could play Spider-Man on your phone now. <laughs> no, like, yeah, I don't really see, I it don't either, see but like... that. But I hope it's not just free-to-play skin, like PlayStation skins of Clash of Clans. You know? Yeah. Like, I think the mobile world is moving on from that. Just in light of all of this that we've discussed. Um, I'm not convinced they are. Nintendo's made I mean, a ton of money. All of those, yeah, those games. things still exist, but there's just other ideas out there right now, and I'm hoping PlayStation tries something a little... I mean, PlayStation has tried, like, free-to-play mobile games. Um, like, could they do some kind of subscription, like Netflix, where they... They try to do indies and stuff, and it, you know, stuff that was on PlayStation now on your phone. 
Um, you could just put it in with your, and it's like part of PlayStation plus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do they make just like small premium games that are on that subscription service? So not a free to play last of us runner, but maybe really try to do something. I don't know, narrative focused on your phone in the last of us universe or, I mean, you could also do like a Last of Us Civ builder, but make it like premium and not timers and pay five dollars for three thousand supplies and yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they also own like Ratchet and Clank. Um, yeah, yeah, they do. They they own. Last Guardian, they own uh, so many things like Sackboy. I, I, I don't think Sackboy is, ridiculous is a super strong IP. With the uh, it's a uh, Days Gone. Yes, Days Gone. I mean, this is more of like a a dream prediction, but like, do you think they could do something like companion apps or games where like? Yeah. Like say like Sackboy's Big Adventure, they have like tons of costumes, but like the mobile app is the costume builder. You can like make costume custom hey. costumes and upload them to your game or something like that. Yeah, companion really apps cool. were really yeah. popular like what was that era? Like 2012 to like 2016 and they've kind of fallen out of favor, but were there any good ones? I don't even remember playing a game that had like a good. Like, I thought the Watch Dogs one was pretty cool. Um, the Watch Dogs companion app, you could actually. So there was this whole mode where there was someone playing like console or PC Watch Dogs, and then there was someone playing on mobile, and the mobile person controlled like the police, basically. And so you could like deploy police cars and helicopters and you were trying to stop the hacker who was playing the main watchdogs. And so you were like actually sending stuff into their game Mm -hmm. and trying to like outplay them. And you're kind of doing this high level strategy and they're doing kind of the action adventure run from the cops. And I remember like playing both sides of that and thinking it was pretty cool. Like, especially, like, I was waiting for a class to start, and I'm sitting there on my phone messing up some guy's, like, console game, sending helicopters after him. Like, I I liked that, but... Yeah, that's cool. um, I don't know how popular it was generally. Um, And then there was a really interesting uh, Battlefront. The the like when did that come out like 2016 so it was just called battlefront but it wasn't the original battlefront it was the the dice remake they also had this whole like strategy card game that would just unlock in-game currency that you could then use in the main game but it was like a totally separate like made for mobile like it was kind of like a tower defense card game but by playing that game you could get currency that then you could use in the real game to like unlock characters and cosmetics um and yeah those ideas always intrigued me because it's like 
I'm always involved in the overall experience one way or another, even if I'm not actually playing Battlefront on my phone or like actually playing Watch Dogs, I'm still progressing and doing something that matters to this experience. And I yeah. like that idea, but it, it died off pretty quick. People stopped trying. Wasn't there a companion app or something like that for chance time top 50 game of all time Metal Gear Solid 5? Oh, I I don't remember. That, like it let you there might have been manage your base a little bit or something like that. Oh, maybe. I'm googling it. Yeah, companion app. It's yes, you're right. So it was a thing. Yeah. I don't know if that would I don't know. Yeah, I don't think that's the the answer. Yeah. I just think that would be something I would like personally. Right. But like a good like this actually feels like an extension of the game. Right. Hmm. Um but yeah. I mean that was what does this company make? Savage Games. Savage I actually Games don't Studios. know. Yeah, I haven't looked that up. Because that could clue us in. Yeah. To um, the type of stuff they make. I don't even. Yeah, they're on their on, website, they're. They have nothing. Well, that's good. Uh, good news. In studios, games. <clears throat> Did you find anything? <laughs> no. I thought I saw something. It says, we make action games with epic stories to foster lasting connections with players around the world. But, like, I don't... Well, I mean, do you think it's possible that? Oh, it says Savage Game Studios doesn't appear to have produced any games yet, but its co-founders had a hand in mobile franchises like Clash of Clans and Angry Birds. Oh, okay. So I guess they like were working on something and somehow got connected with PlayStation and they were like, stop. We'll just buy you. And you can do this kind of stuff for us. <laughs> yeah. I have no um, idea. It, I mean, there's also other theories you could go with where they saw what they were working on and they were like, we could make bank off of this. Or they saw what they were working on and were like, oh, yeah, if we put a ratchet and clank skin on this. Right. That would fit that so well. Um. Okay, I'm finding an older article now that says they raised 4.4 million um, to make a mobile shooter. All that right. was in January 2021. So yeah, they could just be like, your shooter is now going to be last of us themed or 
um i could bring back resistance that's an old franchise that's what yeah. gorilla made before horizon resistance the rapper. parappa the shooter <laughs> that that was something i was going to bring up earlier was there are weird games like that like parappa the rapper that i think mm-hmm. would be a better mobile release than a like if they did new parappa the rapper where you're just pressing control directions on the the control stick I don't feel like that would translate as well to console as much as like swiping on your phone screen or something like that. Right. And so they could gonna... use. Oh, sorry. Yeah, they just could use old IPs like that that kind of worked in early gaming days and maybe translate them to mobile. Right. In a truer form than making a mobile version of that game. <clears throat> yeah. Or that franchise. I was going to say Nintendo should do a WarioWare for phones. That'd be great. Something like that where you can play in short bursts. That'd be perfect. And Parappa the Rapper would be a good equivalent for uh, for PlayStation. Uh, PlayStation also owns Gran Turismo. Oh, yeah. Mean- Mobile racing games are a dime a dozen, but I guess if you called it Gran Turismo, maybe. Yeah. I could yeah. work, though. I don't know I how guess... many, like, uh, what do you call it? More realistic racing sims um, are on phones. Right. It seems like they're more arcadey, I'm guessing. I actually don't really know. I shouldn't say yeah, that. I, I don't mean, know for facts, but you know. I yeah, they're definitely more arcadey just by nature of it goes back to the controls, I think. Yeah. Or they could just port dreams to phones. That would work really well. That'd be pretty cool if they I mean, had like a dreams yeah. version of it. That sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I guess the thing I want to get across is I hope they don't just do the obvious thing and make a Horizon Zero Dawn Clash of Clans. Pretty much, I just hope it's not that. <laughs> that it's something more interesting. Yeah. I would really love the the PlayStation Plus premium games. Like, it's just another, it's an added value to your subscription that you get premium games on your phone. And we're going to make exclusive premium mobile games that you can only access with PlayStation Plus. I think that would be a pretty cool outcome of this. Would they have to do a new tier, I feel like? No, it would probably just be part of the, what do they call it, extra? The kind of like mm-hmm. the one up from the basic. It would probably like just be part of that. kind of lame if you didn't have a PlayStation, though. That's a good point. And I mean, they could do the PlayStation Plus mobile tier. Yeah, and it's just the mobile. Yeah. Yeah. Or Or they could treat it like VR and just have it be their separate, like. Right. Separate thing. Who knows? 
But one thing I will say is I, I hope they avoid, they won't, but I hope they avoid the mistake that other companies have made and they start trying to show off mobile games at like their big like E3 style showcases. Mm, yeah. They're gonna do it because they need to market it and that's where they get attention, but people are gonna hate it. <laughs> yeah. Seeing an, a trailer for a mobile game at, you know, whatever PlayStation showcase of the future or state of play. How do you how do you market this stuff then though? Because those yeah, are that's what I mean. They really don't have yeah. They really don't have another option. So it's gonna happen, but people are gonna not like it. <laughs> I feel like if you did it like just a quick you, hey, here's this thing. I guess I you know. could have like a, a PlayStation a mobile state of play like you state that up front like this is a playstation mobile state of play yeah, rather than yeah. this is a general state of play yeah that would be a but good at, option. at least in the beginning though they're gonna have to just lean on their popular ip and in the same the same time you're seeing the announcement of horizon I don't know. Horizon across the ocean, whatever Horizon 3 is called, you're also going to see Horizon Base Builder Mobile. It's just, yeah. it's going to have to happen, at least in the beginning. And then once they're established, they can start to separate it. Returnal is an interesting one that they could try to do some, like a mobile version. Like if it's more of a top down, which is what Housemark did before Returnal, they did a lot of top down bullet hell. Yeah, you that could would be do a good something like too. do something like that on mobile. I think roguelike games are great options for phones. Yeah. Again, I hope I hope it's premium rather than just kind of the, yeah. the free to play model. Yeah, I agree. Okay, well, that, that covers what I wanted to talk about for the future of mobile gaming. Any, any final thoughts from either of you? We solved it. We did it. We're 100% accurate. As long as Sony listens to this podcast, they'll know exactly what to do. We can have our right. Horizon base building <laughs> game and Parappa the Rapper <laughs> game, and it'll be great. Um, yeah. Honestly, I say take your time. I'm fine with just playing my Switch in the meantime. <laughs> That's a good point. That's fair. Okay. Well, if you have thoughts about the future of mobile slash handheld gaming and gaming in general, I guess we went all over the map on this, uh, let us know at chancetimepodcast at gmail.com or join the Discord. Link in the description. Come come tell us your thoughts on the future of mobile and on-the-go gaming. This has been Chance Time. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Thanks for coming to see James. James. <laughs> <laughs>